What's up guys, Pastor John here. We pray that this message encourages you in your faith journey and we believe that God has an incredible plan for your life and our hope is that tools like this sermon will help you become who he has created you to be. Now listen, in order to truly flourish and thrive like God intends for your life, it takes community. What I mean by that is we don't believe that simply by attending church online alone that you're going to be able to become every bit of who God has created you to be and who you want to be to grow spiritually. You need other people. And we would love to help you connect with other people right here at Greenhouse. True growth happens when we're rooted in a community that supports, uplifts, and walks alongside us. And so with that in mind, we would love for you to join us in person on Sundays right here at Western High School or in microchurches throughout the week. Um, listen, if you don't live near our church here in South Florida, please reach out to us. We would love to help you find and thrive in a local faith community near you. We're excited to partner with you as we all become passionate followers of Jesus. God bless you. Well, y'all, first things first, um, like I said, I'm so glad to be here. I'm going to uh, talk to you today about something God's been putting in my heart for a couple of months now. And the title of today's message is called Battle Weary. Everybody say Battle Weary. Battle Weary. But before we do that, I just want to make sure that we're honoring God because today is the last day of the year, 2023, and I don't know about you, but I've been through some things this year, so can we just stand up real quick and just thank God for 30 seconds for what he's done this year. If we can just give God the glory for 30 seconds. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. While you're still standing, you can go ahead and get your Bibles out. We're going to head into Exodus. We're going to the Old Testament. Exodus 17, 8. We'll start there. I'll be reading out of the ESV if you're on your phones. Awesome. Exodus 17, we see Moses and Joshua, and it says, Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, Come for, uh, choose for us some men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. Verse 10 says, So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek, while Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses' hands uh, held up his hands, Israel prevailed. But when he lowered his hands, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary. So they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it, while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and one on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun, and Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. Heavenly Father, God, Lord, thank you for this opportunity and for giving us, getting us, Lord God, to the last day of the year, Father God, and I just thank you for, for your word. I thank you, Father God, for how you're here to encourage us. Holy Spirit, speak. Holy Spirit, help. May the words in my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, people of God said, amen, amen, amen. So I want to start talking to you a little bit. We'll, we'll hop back into Exodus in a second, but um, I'm from the state of Virginia. So if there's anybody from Virginia in here, and I think zero, okay. So um, I grew up in Virginia, and then my high school, right at the start of my high school years, we, went, we moved to the state of Maryland, and I started running track and cross country. Well, my dad over here signed me up for track and cross country. So he signed me up. He comes home and says, hey, you're about to go run. So I'm like, I, I, I fought a little bit, but then I ended up doing it. So I did track, did cross country, and I thought my conditioning was really well. Well, during the, uh, during the big season in high school, I think this was probably my sophomore year of high school, 
my coach, he said, hey, at the middle of the season, there's this big race called the race at Bull Run. They named it after the Battle of Bull Run that happened in the Civil War. So that shows you how intense it was. So it says, hey, you know, this is big race. Everybody, like, you got to get prepared for the race at Bull Run. So me, I would do my conditioning, but not too much, but I also still did my Chick-fil-A. I also still did my Chipotle. And I remember getting to this race, and I remember being like, hey, like, I'm good. We get off the bus. I see all the other athletes. This was like high schools from all across Maryland. So we get there, and I'm excited, and then we, we get all lined up, and the gun guy, whoever, he says, on your mark, is set. He fires the gun, and I start, and I'm running, so I'm good. And I'm like, God, this is great, and Bull Run, you know, had a lot of hills and mud, mud slides and everything. So I'm, I'm going well, and then about a mile into the race, my organs start to shut down. And I'm like, Lord, okay. So I'm still running. And I started a little too fast, but I'm like, it's okay, it's okay. So I'm running, and a mile and a half comes, and I feel my lungs start to collapse. And I'm like, okay, this is, I, I can make it. And now about two miles in, I'm covered in sweat, probably blood and tears, and I'm sitting there like, okay, I, don't, I didn't prepare well for this. I didn't know the battle was going to be this hard at Bull Run. But I got to keep going because my team's counting on me. And so about two and a half miles in, my body, my gag reflexes, I'm starting to throw up as I'm approaching the finish line, but I got a half a mile to go. And finally, with every thought in me saying, you need to quit, you better quit, there was a lot of escape routes along the route <laughs> that I could have taken, but I had to remember, my coach is going to be disappointed, and I want to let my team down. So I had to keep going, and finally, as I'm approaching the finish line, my chest is doing this because I'm about to throw up, and I finally make it to the finish line. And what I had to realize is that I started something that I thought was going to be very, very easy, and I didn't prepare for it. So we're going to leave that right there. What this makes me think of is on a day like today, we all set something called New Year's what? Resolutions. So I actually did research, if you want to look at the screen, of the top voted 2024 New Year's resolutions that people have said, and I've said all of these. Uh, save more money. Anybody set that goal for 2023? Yeah. I, yeah. I don't think I made that one. Yep. Um, begin working out. Eat healthier. So eat healthier. Spend more time with family and friends. That's a great one. And the fifth one was spend less time on social media. Spend less time on social media. What this made me think of and how this relates to my, my race at Bull Run in high school is, I don't know about you, but I've set New Year's resolutions and I've often started them. And then by about January 2nd, <laughs> they're gone. And so the eat, eat more healthier, I think this year I'm like, Lord, like, yeah, I need to, you know, I'm still young, but I'm getting a little older. So I need to watch, you know, what I eat. And then I just get in the car, and my car just took me to Chick-fil-A. And I don't know how I got there. And so I get in the drive-thru, and I'm like, well, since I'm here, Lord, I just want to obey your will, so I'll just continue to do it. But the thing that makes me think about what's funny about the top-voted ones is these resolutions are the same resolutions year in and year out. 2022, I want to save money. I want to eat healthier. I want to work out. I want to spend more time with family and friends. 2023, same thing. And now for 2024, these same five resolutions have been voted once again. What this tells me is that probably, I don't know about you because I know y'all don't have problems and I know that, uh, I know that, you know, I'm the only messed up one up here. But what this tells me is that we are great starters, but horrible finishers. We are great starters at something because it's fresh and it's exciting. And it's like, it feels good to say I'm going to eat healthier because we haven't actually put in the work yet. 
but just like me from January 1st to January 2nd when it comes to not going to Chick-fil-A or Chipotle, when things start to get hard, we throw in the towel and say, forget it, I'll try again next year. And to make matters worse, we usually come up with excuses of why we can't fulfill it. Why I can't go to the gym because it's four minutes away from the house, it's too far. That was actually my excuse, so I'm putting myself out. Well, I can't, eat, I can't save money because, you know, just the way things are right now. I can't, I can't give, I can't do this, I can't do that. I can't spend more time with family and friends. My career is just, you know, I, I got to focus on my career. And we come up with excuses because we are great starters but horrible finishers. And so what I want to talk to you about today, and I got, thank you, Jamie, for helping me set this up. Just like the race and just like our New Year's resolutions, we, get, we find ourselves setting goals to get better in things, only when it gets hard with temptation, we choose to throw in the towel. When it gets hard with family, we like to throw in the towel and make excuses. When it gets hard with our health and sickness, when it doesn't go the way we thought, we like to make excuses. Oh, wait, this is family. What was this? Finances. Finances. Oh, I'm trying to read upside down, y'all. Definitely. When we start to endure battles in these four areas, and it might be different for you. These are not the four only areas of life that you can experience a battle, but these four, at least for me, have all had a place in my life where it might start really easy and I'm starting the race and it feels good like, like I was in high school and I'm starting, to, I'm starting really fast. Only when things start to get hard do I get battle weary. I don't know if you can relate with your 2023, but some of y'all, I've talked to some of y'all, I've been through some things and I know y'all have been through some things in 2023 and it started out, it might be in your area of finances and you're like, Lord, I did not, I could not imagine the battle that I had to go through this year in my area of finances. Or Lord, I did not ever think that I would be in the hospital with this, this condition or that condition. Or Lord, I never thought my family would get to this point. Lord, I never thought the battle for temptation would be this strong. Let me tell you, one thing I learned, I've been married now for seven weeks. One thing I, <laughs> I'm going to be writing a book soon, you know, about so all that I've learned and wisdom and I'll do uh, probably some life coaching or something. So, but one thing I've learned in seven weeks is that, guess what? Temptation, when you're single, guess what? Single people, it doesn't go away when you get married. Married people, temptation is still there. So that's one thing I've learned. And we find ourselves in these battles and we're like, Lord, I did not think it would be this hard. And now, Lord, just like me running in high school, I'm now looking for escape routes. How can I get out of this battle? One thing that I, during my research preparing for this sermon, I found this really interesting uh, medical condition that started around the time of World War I. And we actually have a picture of it right here. This right here is a U.S. Marine in the 19, early 1900s in Europe, and he was uh, diagnosed with something called combat stress disorder. For some people call it combat fatigue. And it's a real-life medically diagnosed condition. And if you look into his eyes, they, they coined this new term called the thousand-yard stare. Anybody ever heard of that? The thousand-yard stare, to, and pretty much what it described is when you get in battle so long, you're at war overseas so long, you're away from your family and your community, you're away from your culture, you're away from maybe your, your native language, and you start to get so fatigued and stressed over the battle that you are literally fighting that your brain literally begins to change. Here's some of the symptoms that doctors diagnosed. They said people with combat fatigue or uh, fatigue or compact combat stress reaction was the slow, slowness of reaction time, slowness of thought, difficulty prioritizing task, difficulty initiating routine task, preoccupation with minor issues and familiar task, 
indecision and lack of concentration, loss of initiative with fatigue, and exhaustion. Now, what I'm not trying to say is anybody who's ever been through a battle is that you're exactly the same thing. I don't want to dishonor anyone who's actually been to real combat. We thank you for your service if you have. But what I noticed about this is there are some parallels with the symptoms that I just described. And when you start to battle temptation and you start to battle some family drama and you start to battle your finances and whatever it might be for you, you start to get battle weary. You start to have indecision where you normally were so pressed into community, you start to lose out and you start to say, hey, I'm not going to go to microchurch tonight. <sighs> I'm, I'm going to skip. No, I know I need to go to church. I know I need to, to give or whatever it might be for, that God's telling you to do. You start saying, actually, you know what? I'm good. Because the battle is beginning to take my focus and it's beginning to pull me away, cause me to not be pressed in with what God's called me to do. So if you're taking notes, here's a big idea and the question of the day. When you find yourself weary in a battle you did not choose like Moses and the Israelites, how do you endure and find strength in the Lord? Everybody say, strengthen us, Lord. How do you endure and find strength in the Lord? So if you're taking notes, the first application point I want to leave with you today is you got to get into community. Trust me, y'all. I'm not just sitting up here because I'm on staff as a microchurch director. Trust me. you got to get into community. I told somebody one time, I said, a standalone Christian is a sitting duck for the enemy. A standalone in, uh, Christian is a sitting duck for the enemy. Let me tell you, if you ever battle temptation, if you don't get your, if it wasn't, let me tell y'all, if it wasn't for my brothers and sisters around me to say, AJ, let us lift up your arms in this season, I don't know if I would have made it to the, to the altar to marry my wife. If it had not been for community, battling through some family stuff, I don't know if people say, hey, AJ, you need to go over there and, and sit for a second because, you, you know, family's acting crazy. You need to forgive. You need to do this. You need to do that. If it had not been for community saying, hey, maybe you shouldn't make that purchase right now. I know you really want that thing or this thing, but maybe you shouldn't make that purchase. How about you, you know, how about you give? How about you be generous? You need community. Come up here, Jack. I'm going to ask you to help me. While he's coming up, let's look, look back at the main text, Exodus 17, 12 through 13. It says, but Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and one on the other. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun, and Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. One thing, I, one thing the Lord spoke to me, he said, son, he said, just like in the U.S. military, if right now the U.S. had to declare war or someone declared war in this country, and the United States military, the president gets on TV and says, American citizens, we are sending one man to fight this whole country. I would get my bags and head for Canada or something. I would say, this is a really, really bad idea. Why would you send one person into a battle against thousands or, or even millions? But the interesting thing is, is, excuse me, Jack, for one second. The interesting thing is, is a lot of times in life, when we're battling family and temptation and finances, here I am trying to, I'm good. I'm not going to come to microchurch. I'm just out here doing me. I got it. And it starts out, and I'm like, I'm pretty strong. Yeah, I got this. Hey, AJ, you good? Yeah, man. Living life, living my best life. I'm good. And then it gets a little heavier. Hey, AJ, you, you sure you're doing good? Oh, I'm good, man. I'm good. You know, just going through a couple things, you know. How can I pray for you? Honestly, I, don't, I can't think of anything, man. Whew. It gets a little heavier. Hey, AJ, we haven't seen you at microchurch. 
hey, man, you know, I'm just busy, bro. You know, uh, there was a lion in the street. Thanks. And before you know it, I'm just dragging. AJ, what's wrong? I'm good, man. I'm good. AJ, you look way down. No, I'm good. I promise. I know I'm going through some stuff, but I'm tired. I've grown weary. And then, oh, it broke, so we're going to leave that. We're going to leave temptation behind. So, so, amen. Leave it behind. Amen. So, the Lord said, get it out of your life. That was for somebody. Get temptation out. So, but then you get into a microchurch and you say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finally go see Nate at the Welcome Tent, and I'm going to go sign up for a microchurch. And then where you were once weary because you, you can't hold it by yourself, you have community. Come along. And they start holding up your hands. Thank you, Jack. You, you can start carrying the burdens that you were never designed to carry because you got community. And when my arms are tired, carrying finances and no more temptation, you now have community around you. Thank you, Jack. So y'all, give, give it up for Jack. So. All right, let's get those boxes out of here. So here we go. Leave my finances right there. Awesome. Number two, everybody say number two. Number two. Get into God's presence daily and worship. Get into his presence daily and worship. Y'all, there's been some times, I call it like my car praise, where you're going through some stuff and the only place of privacy that you can find is in your car. I'll lock my door. I'll drive to my favorite place, which is Chick-fil-A. I'll eat. And then I will sit in the parking lot with windows down or even sometimes rolled up. If you got to turn on the AC, you know it's some prayer, powerful prayer. And I sit in my car and I got to turn on a worship song. And I say, Lord, my emotions are not in favor of living a holy life right now. Lord, I need you to help me. And sometimes all you can do is say, Jesus, I need you. And you got to, whatever you got to do to get into his presence. I don't care if you're at work. I've been at work before and I've had to go step in the bathroom. I lock the stall and I say, Jesus, I just got to pray. And I just got to find that time of privacy to get into God's presence. Psalm 1611, this is uh, King David. He says, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. I'm going to read it again. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. As I was studying the text, the Holy Spirit was like, son, take a look again at that scripture in Exodus with Moses. It says, as his hands were lifted... Israel prevailed, but as his hands lowered, Amalek prevailed. Could it be that we capture the visual here, and it looks a lot like we do on the front row, and you in your seat, when you're going through some stuff, but you still decide to show up for church because you're here to worship, and you start getting into God's presence, and even when your arms get tired and you're ready to start dropping them, the enemy says, why are you still worshiping? Your finances are in the dumps. Why are you still worshiping? Your family is acting crazy. Why are you still worshiping? You just committed sin last night, and you think that God hears your prayers? But you're saying, nope, I'm going to keep my hands lifted and I'm going to keep worshiping God because I know that as long as I get into his presence, his things are going to get better. It looks a lot like Moses holding up his arms. And then when you begin to drop your arms, you call Jack and he'll lift them up. When we worship, we gain the strength that we need. The joy of the Lord is our what? Our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. I've gone through stuff before and the situation doesn't change at all, but I get joy. And I'm like, you know what? Like, I walked into the room feeling very burdened, but then now I'm walking out because I spent some time in, in, my, in my office and I spent some time in the Word and I spent some time worshiping. And that one song by Mav City, that one song by, by Greenhouse Worship, it's now lifted my soul. I've got into God's presence and he's met me in my battle. 
Psalm 73, 26 says, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. God is the strength of my heart. Sometimes like we look to everything else for strength. Oh, you know, self-help books, we look to, you know, every other avenue. And, I, and I'm all for counseling. I, I, matter of fact, I encourage it. I'm all for counseling. I'm all for books. Do what you got to do that, that you know is going to help you get through. But at the end of it all, you got to turn back to the Lord Jesus and say, Holy Spirit, I've turned to everywhere else. I've read articles. I've looked at YouTube videos. I've listened to every preacher on YouTube. I've done everything that I know to do, Lord. But now, God, I got to get into your presence, and I need your spirit. I need your spirit. Everybody say number three. Meditate on God's word daily. Meditate on God's word daily. Psalm 119, 28 says, my soul is weary with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your what? Your word. Strengthen me according to your word. What does this look like? This looks like when you're ready to, to go off on somebody and you know, like, okay, Lord, I need to, Lord, I got I to gotta go, I got to get into your presence. And then you open the Bible and bam, it opens right to the page that, like, like the exact scripture that you need. And you say, Lord, I feel like you really see me right now. And you read that scripture and you start thinking upon it. And at first it might not even seem like it even changes anything, but then you keep meditating on it. And you're like, Lord, you said, God, that you're going to provide for me. God, you said that you're never going to allow me to deal with more temptation than I can handle. You're going to give me an escape route. Lord, you said that I need to get into community. You said that you're with me. And as you continue to think upon it and think upon it, it goes from here to here, and then after it gets in here, it comes right out of you. It starts in your mind. You gotta, that's why you can't just read the Bible one time, shut it, and go on. You got to meditate on that. You got to meditate on it. If anybody's been through college or even school, you understand that you can't really pass a test without studying. And the teacher, what they're trying to get you to do is not just to learn the material, but what they're trying to get you to do is to form a pattern of how to learn. Hey, you need to study. Okay, I learned it but you actually got to really study. You can memorize something and it never goes from here to here. And I don't know about you, but a lot of times I've read the word of God and it stayed right up here. And then when you get into a trial or a battle and you start to get tired, you're going reaching out for everybody, every other thing, picking up anything to try to make, to try to soothe that battle. But what the Lord is saying is, hey son, keep thinking upon my word. Keep thinking upon, my, uh, keep thinking upon it. My soul is weary with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Let's look back at the text real quick. Back in Exodus 17, verse 13 says, And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with a sword. One thing that's interesting is here in this actual account in the Bible and however many thousands of years ago, Joshua used a real sword. And while I was preparing for this message, the Lord said, Son, look at Ephesians 6. I'm going to read it to you. Ephesians 6.10. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Verse 17, jumping ahead, it says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So hopefully nobody in here has a real sword, but hopefully everybody has this sword. And when you're in a battle and you start to get weary and you have to learn how to strengthen yourself in the, in the word, you have to learn how to get into his presence, get your sword out. Get your sword out. Get your sword out. I heard a joke they said, which I would not, have, I would not advise to do. It says somebody was at TSA. I don't know if this is true. I saw it on social media. So, of course it's true. So, they said they got to TSA and the person said, hey, do you have any, anything on you, any weapons, sharp materials? And they said, uh, sir, I have a sword. 
And the TSA officer was like, you have a what? And they pulled out a Bible. So, so don't do that. If you find yourself in jail with TSA, that's on you. So. But I think it's really interesting that the Bible mentions in the New Testament the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It says the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. What does this, what does this tell us? The Word of God will protect your mind and then fight your battles. This is how I fight my battles. The Word of God will protect your mind and fight your battles. I kid you not, anything that I've ever gone through in life, guess what the answer's been? The answer has been in the word of God as I continue to read it, as I continue to meditate on his promises, as I continue to go to micro church. And then someone there says, hey, this scripture has been on my heart all week. And I'm sitting there like, oh, my gosh, it's like they were following me around. Like they lit, that was literally the scripture that I needed as I even go on social media. And it's, it's important who you follow. Follow, follow Christ-like pages. I go on social media and just this past weekend there was a scripture right on there. And I was like, man, I really needed to hear that. I really needed to hear that. Everything points back to the sword, God's word. Amen. Number four, say number four. Endure. How do, you, how do you build endurance? How did I build endurance in cross country? Even though I was throwing up, how did I get to the finish line? I had to simply endure. I don't know about y'all, but I might be the only person, but I really hate suffering. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't care for it. Lord, can you just... Uh, I saw somebody, they said, Lord, can you skip me from the suffering and trial and tribulation package for 2024? I'm like, absolutely. Like, Lord, return to sender. I don't want it. Keep suffering from my life. But oftentimes, guess what God does? You think he takes it away? Yeah, you're, you're, yeah, you're right. He does. And God says, hey, son, I'm not going to take that battle away, but I will strengthen you in it. Well, Lord, why are you allowing me to go through this? God, I serve you. God, I come to church. Why did you allow this to come into my life? God, I'm a good Christian. Why did you allow this to happen? And the Lord has said, son or daughter, I'm trying to teach you something. The more that you endure, the Bible says, you build character, you build perseverance. So your battles that you're going through are actually for your good. That's a whole other sermon. So, Back in Ephesians 6, if you want to hop back there, verse 13 and 14, and I'm reading out of the uh, NIV, it says, Therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. It sounds like very, very basic advice, but when you're going through a battle and you're like, I've been standing so long and I'm about to give up, my best encouragement to you is continue standing. You might be like, well, AJ, that's not encouraging at all. Like, I could, I'm, I'm standing now, I can just keep standing. Exactly. That's how you endure. When you're going to the gym, I don't know, like, I'm going to pick on Akil because he's right here. Akil loves to work out. I'm sure if you talk to Akil after service, he can tell you. He did not get all those muscles, although he has too many muscles. I'm sorry, bro. So all that you did, all he got too, so many muscles, he did not get those muscles by just going to the gym one time and saying, hey, this is hard. I'm out of here. He had to keep going back. He had to keep enduring. He had to keep giving himself added pressure and added weight. And then from there, his body would respond. And the same thing happens in the spiritual realm. Thinking back uh, when I was preparing this, I was thinking back to cross country. And I was like, you know, Lord, I forget a lot of times, especially in a, in a sport like cross country or track and field, you forget that although everybody's running an individual race, you forget that everybody's times on the team, so whatever your time is for your three-mile mark or one-mile mark, all those times are calculated, and it's grouped together, and then you're given like a team average. So while I was running the race in cross country, although I felt like I was about to die, I had to keep enduring because I had to remember my race is not just affecting me, it's affecting my whole team. It's affecting my whole team. And a lot of times, the biggest, 
I would say temptation that the enemy throws at us is when you're in a battle, he says, well, you can just give up. It's your battle. Hey, hey, hey. Like, I know you're battling temptation right now, but it's okay. Just take this over here. I know you're battling temptation, but don't go to microchurch. They're going to judge you. Oh, don't go to church. Nope, nope, nope. I know you're struggling in your finances or in your family, but don't worry about that. Hey, just give up. You know what? Just give in to that temptation. Hey, you're single. You live in South Florida. Like, just give up. It's okay. Just give up. And you say, no, I'm going to continue to endure. Because what you don't realize is that if you give up, you're dragging a whole people that are following you. We have these middle schoolers and students that are looking up to us. They're the next generation. If we give up, what are we teaching them? You don't realize that when you give up and when you throw in the towel, your brother who was also struggling that you didn't even know about, now he's looking at you saying, oh, man, well, if such and such, if AJ gave up, then what am I to do? If AJ threw in the towel, and this is not all to try to shame anyone who gives up. God is a gracious God. And if, you've, if you feel like you've given up, get back in today. You can get back in. So this is not all to, to shame anyone. But it does point us to a, a greater weight of we have to endure we have to realize and change our perspective that, wait a minute, I'm in this battle because God is doing something through me, and I might just be going through this battle for somebody else. I don't know about y'all, but I've gone through stuff before, and I'm like, Lord, I don't get this one. But then a week later, sometimes a year later, I'm talking to somebody, and I'm saying, they're telling me their problem, and they're like, hey, man, I'm going through this, I'm going through that. And the Lord is like, bingo, you went through that exact same thing, now encourage your brother. And I'm like, hey, such and such, like, I've been through exactly what you've been through. I can tell you how to make it out because I've made it out. The Lord, I've seen the Lord bring me out, so now I can give you the roadmap of how to get out. Keep enduring because you never know who your battle is connected to. I don't know why I keep looking over there. I'm not trying to pick on y'all, but somebody's receiving over there. <laughs> Hebrews 10.36, it says, Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will then you will receive all that he has promised. Then you will receive all that he has promised. When do we receive it? After we continue to patiently endure. And let's be frank, the endurance part is horrible. The worst part of any sport is the conditioning. You gotta keep conditioning. I remember in cross country, we would then, we would start running 11 miles a week. <clears throat> Y'all, I don't like to drive 11 miles, let alone run 11 miles per week. Like, that's, that's just a lot, it's 44 miles a month. And I'm like, I was super bone thin, but what our coach was, and even when we were not running, she would say, hey, now we're gonna head inside to the pool and you're gonna go run against water to build up endurance, to build up endurance. And although at the time, you know, I screamed and I fought, I don't wanna do this, this hurts, this is tiring. Like, what she was trying to teach me is, son, if you keep building up endurance now in practice, when the race comes, you are gonna be able to have the endurance at Bull Run to not cross the finish line puking. And all too often, when God tells me the same thing, I'm like, Lord, take me out of the race, coach. I'm out. Lord, I don't want to endure. This is crappy. This hurts. I didn't think I would have to go through this. Why me, Lord? I don't get it. Take me out of the race. And the Lord is saying, son, you don't realize, and I hope this is for somebody, you don't realize what you've had to go through in 2023 is setting you up for your blessing in 2024. You don't realize what your, what your battles that you've had to face in this year, what they were preparing you for. And if God had taken you out of that race like you asked him to, you would have never been ready to walk into your promise. You would have never been ready. So it's, now what we have to do is what God is trying to teach us is, son, I'm not going to change your battle. What I'm trying to get you to do is change your what? Anybody know? Perspective. I'm trying to get you to change your perspective. 
Because if you can look at something differently, I don't know if some of y'all have ever seen one of those things. I think it used to be in like, uh, they used to have it on like online and it would be like, what do you see in this picture? And they would say, if you look closely, you'll see like an old woman's face. But if you look, if you stand back and squint one eye, you'll see like a giraffe like swimming or something like that. It's like weird stuff. And everybody, you can have 20 people look at that photo and everybody would say, hey, like I see an old woman or I see a giraffe or I see an abstract piece of art, whatever it might be. But what that shows is sometimes you got to squint one eye and when you change your perspective, you'll say, I see it differently now. And there's been some things that I've gone through in life, and I'm like, Lord, this is crappy. I hate it, God. Lord, do you even love me? Why would you ever allow this, God? Why, why me, Lord? Could you not have picked any of the other 7 billion or 8 billion now people? Why me, Lord? But then after I get into God's presence and worship, and after I start meditating on his word, and as I'm around more community, my perspective starts to change. And I start to say, well, you know what? Like, I know what I'm going through is hard, but, man, after leaving microchurch tonight, such and such got really encouraged by hearing that I'm still going through it and that I'm still coming to church and that I'm still reading my Bible. You know what? I know I'm still going through it, but actually I'm starting to see what God is doing through me. I'm starting to see how he's producing perseverance, how he's producing endurance in me because he's taking me places. And he's saying, son, you don't know the level, like the type of devils you're going to have to fight when you get to that level. So let me get you into conditioning now. Don't forsake the battle. Change your perspective. Change your perspective. And with this, uh, Zach, you can come on up. I'm not sure where Zach's at, but you can come on up. I'm about to close here. What this made me think about is there was also another person that lived that he went through his own battle. He could have stayed in glory, but he decided to come to earth. You know his name? Jesus could have decided to stay in glory. Y'all, Jesus didn't need anything. He is the man. But yet Jesus said, hey, not only am I going to tell you to follow me, not only, not only am I going to have to allow you into your own battles, but I'm actually going to come to earth and wrap myself in that messed up flesh like you're wearing, and I'm going to endure battles and, and finish the race so that way you can look to me as an example. On his way to Calvary, um, in the Bible, it's called Golgotha. It was like a, a certain place where they crucified people. And during this time in Israel, crucifixion was a very um, seen thing. The Roman uh, Empire occupied uh, Jerusalem at the time, and they crucified people. This was not a, a practice of, in the Jewish culture, and I hope I'm not getting anything wrong, Mrs. Lash. So <laughs> um, in the Jewish culture, crucifixion was not a thing. It was a very detestable thing. So the Romans are crucifying people, so all the Israelites, they see this happening every day. And here's Jesus carrying his cross, and Jesus is weary. He's been beaten. His beard has been pulled out. Jesus is tired. Jesus is tired. And it says, as Jesus carried his cross, or it says, as the soldiers led him away, they see Simon from Serene, who was on his way in from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. Simon of Serene is just probably on his way back home somewhere. He just left Publix. He's just on his way back home, and here he is. He gets pulled into a battle, just like Moses and the Israelites, that he did not choose. Have you ever found yourself in a battle you did not choose? Probably most. He was forced to carry the cross behind Jesus. This bloodied man, beard pulled out. This man barely making it. He's tired. But for some reason, Simon might be thinking, why is this man still going? Why is he continuing to walk? Like, he could literally just give up his breath right now and die, or he, he, his bones are broken. And like, like man, like, how is, 
how is this man and why is this man still continuing to carry this cross? So he gets behind him and he picks up that cross. And I'm pretty sure, I remember if if you've ever seen the movie, The Passion of the Christ, I don't know if this really happened, but I really like the way the director put it in the movie. And as they were beating Jesus carrying the cross, when Simon of Serene came behind him, they started beating Simon too. And so now here is Simon carrying a cross, getting beat during a crucifixion that's not even his. And what this makes me think of is in Matthew 16, 24. It says, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And when the Lord pointed that out, I'm like, man, he was following Jesus carrying a cross. So maybe the next time that I battle temptation, that's my cross to bear. Maybe the next time finances get in the way or family drama starts or sickness or health comes against you, maybe that's my cross to bear. What is Jesus trying to teach me that he did? And I love this scripture in Hebrews 12. Why did Jesus have to carry a cross and why is he making us carry one? Why is he making you carry one? Why did you have to carry so many crosses in 2023? Hebrews 12, one through three says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He what? He endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, meditate on him. Think about Jesus who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow what? Weary and lose heart so that you won't grow weary. Meditate on Jesus. Simon of Serene is like, why is this man carrying this cross when he's so bloodied and beaten and broken? Because it was for the joy set before him for you and for me. What was Jesus thinking about when he was in his battle? And the same thing goes for us. When you're in your battle, y'all, when you're you're fighting still in 2024 at 12 a.m., which you were fighting on December 31st at 11.59 p.m., things didn't magically go away, poof. When Ryan Seacrest counts down the ball drop in New York, all your problems don't just vanish away like that. I wish they did. But for some of y'all tonight at midnight, you might still be finding yourself in the same battle that you fought in 2023, maybe even in 2022, maybe 2002. You might still be fighting the same battle, but now you can say, wait a minute, I need to endure like Jesus did. The same way Jesus set joy before him, I gotta set Jesus in front of me and realize that my battle that I'm going through is for a greater purpose. I gotta realize that the battle I'm going through is for somebody else. I gotta realize that the battle that I'm going through, whether it's temptation or finances or fill in the blank, I gotta realize that the battle that I'm going through is for a greater good. Romans 8, 28, what does it say if you know it? And God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. The battle that you're going through is for a greater good, amen? Amen. I'm gonna leave you with the scripture then I'm gonna get out of your way and we're gonna close in a different way today. Isaiah 40, 28 through 31. It says, do you not know, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall, 
but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings in 2024 like eagles. They will run and not grow weary in 2024. They will walk and not faint. So if you want to stand to your feet for me, we're going to close out today in a, in a time of corporate prayer and worship. Zach and the team will play. They're going to sing another, lead us in a song again. But during this time, I want you to get out of your seat, get in a groups of two or three. And I just want you to pray and encourage one another. Be honest, be vulnerable. Share with, if you're going through something, share it with someone. Say, this is what I'm battling right now. This is the battle that I'm in. Pray with one another. And after you finish, you can continue to worship and Pastor John will come close it out. Amen. Lord, we trust you. We look to you in faith. Thank you that you know our situation. Thank you that you know our needs. Thank you that you see our challenges. Lord, we trust in you. We trust in you. Would you reveal to us, Lord, if we've, if we've been isolating, if we've been pulling back out of weariness, God, would you call us back to you in worship, to your word, to community? Lord, thank you for this recalibrating reminder.